0: It's Odds and End Zones, a podcast feature of MileHighReport.com. From props to parlays to totals and spreads, it's time to sweat it out. Here are your hosts, Ian St. Clair and Adam Malnati.
2: Ian, we are on the slow summer march towards football, and this particular episode of uh, Odds and End Zones is going to focus on Primarily previewing training camp, uh, which means that uh, we are ever closer to the Sean Payton era, the fixing of Russell Wilson perhaps, and a readjustment to the way that the AFC West is going to look moving forward. Or uh, we're just a few weeks away from status quo, same old, same old, horrible Denver Broncos football. Your choice, I don't know, how. however you choose to look at it. And I think that ties into something that we've talked about,
1: which is are people buying into the hype or are they more like you and me who want to see the team win before we get completely bought into the Sean Payton era?
2: How long do you give it? I think that's something that that is uh, a a sort of a scary question, and it's not actually something we – have thought about I don't think how long do you give Sean Payton in regards to fixing because I do believe this is fixing the problem I don't think it's just rebuilding I don't think it's uh, just bringing in players I think there's a a whole uh, cultural fix that has to take place for the Denver Broncos how long do you give him if it doesn't happen year one is it is it a failure or do you uh, to you know use a, a catchphrase that probably should you know, disappear into the annals of cliched uh, usage, but do you trust the process and how long do you trust the process for? Or is it, is there some instant gratification gratification that we're looking for here? I think they need to look like a professional
1: football team, the opening game against the Raiders, because they've, this, this franchise has struggled against the Raiders. We, We know about the losing streak to the Chiefs. There's a losing streak to the Raiders. And they need to look like a professional football team that opening weekend against the Raiders at home.
2: So I would say it needs to be week one. Yeah, that's a high bar. It is a high bar. And I think it's a legitimate one to sort of sit there and go, Okay, well, this is what things have been for the last seven or eight years. It's been it's been sort of uh, a train wreck since Super Bowl Fifty, and I don't want to. I hate that we keep talking about Super Bowl Fifty, right? I mean, we bring up Super Bowl Thirty Two and Super Bowl Thirty Three, and we bring up those Super Bowls in a nostalgic, sort of happy kind of way. When I bring up Super Bowl Fifty, it doesn't feel as joyful as it used to. Every time I talk about Super Bowl Fifty. I I feel a little less joy about that particular era of Broncos football because of how long it's taken to recover almost, right? So it is starting to wear on me the, well, since Super Bowl 50, it's been this. Yeah, it has. And Super Bowl 50 is almost a decade ago, and it makes me sick. So I I think you're right. I think looking at Sean Payton and what he's capable of doing – I believe they have to win that first week for me to even consider any excitement. I want want to be excited, and I find myself slipping into the trap of excitement every now and then, but then very quickly snapping out of it because I think of Super Bowl 50, and Super Bowl 50 brings me back to reality because of how long ago it was. My children were teeny tiny. They are now much older. I don't like it. I don't like it at all just thinking about this since we're a sports
1: betting show PASPA hadn't been overturned yet. That's true. That that's the law, that's the law that allowed for sports betting to then become legalized throughout the country and not just in Las Vegas and Atlantic City. So PASPA was overruled in 2018. That's how long it's been.
2: That is, uh, if you think about it, in that half decade, how much the sports landscape has changed, monetarily speaking, uh, you know the the fan interaction and the way that we look at the games that we love so much. I mean, I'm a huge baseball guy. I'm a huge football guy. I love watching a, a little bit of hockey when the abs are good. Uh, the the Nuggets run was one of the funnest runs I've ever witnessed as a basketball fan who is really not much of an NBA fan, but. I'm am a fan of my my local teams, right? And how do you not fall in love with that Nuggets team? But my connection to it is a lot different than I'm going to make sure I sit down and watch the game. It's now it's I'm going to sit down and I'm I'm going to put a little money on this game just to just to get that you know extra sort of oh I get a little juice going here, and that is so different than the shoot even the 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 world of fantasy football where it was you're you're setting lineups and you're rooting for guys and then. It's a completely different world, and the world that the Denver Broncos were good in no longer exists, and that's not their fault as far as the sports betting goes, but it is a different look at how we approach things as fans. It sometimes makes things a little easier, right? Well, I still got to bet on this. I can still focus on that. I don't have to worry about how well my team did. And sometimes it makes it more difficult because you choose to bet on your team, and then they let you down.
1: And it's interesting because... First off, it's it's funny how now that the NFL can make money, Roger Goodell is pro sports betting. But we're going to have to discuss the rules and stipulations in place before the season starts just to go over it because I, I think it's – to steal a line from Mad Men, it's not great, Bob. Like it's – it's hypocritical, which is what the NFL is all about. But that's that's for a future show. I
2: going to say that feels like a it feels like a big show down the down the road. But uh, in in this one, with training camp just just a few what few days away from where we sit right now, uh, it's a about good a idea. For, is it a, is it a week? I'm trying to think, what day is it? Yeah, we're getting close. Anyway, we're getting close. It's a good idea to take a look at it. What do we expect to see? Uh, how is it going to be different from years past? And I think the biggest one, the one that many people in the media, which um, I don't think necessarily includes us, although technically it does, but people who cover the Denver Broncos uh, have already noticed a shift in that your access to the team is going to be limited. And the reports that you're going to get, while they won't be that much different, are going to be less instant, if you will, right? You're not going to be following them the same way that we would have followed them the last five or six years.
1: And I think that's a good thing, but it's what Sean Payton wants to do. It's, it's his team. He's going to do what he wants to do in in terms of what to look for. Obviously all eyes are going to be on Russell Wilson. They, I mean, that's just the way it is. It's going to be that way through, through training camp, through preseason games. And yes, Under Sean Payton, the starters will play in the preseason. God, I I just I cannot believe that idiot coached the Broncos anyway, (laughs) and I can't
2: believe that I bought into it. So we we all did. I I, that's the yikes. That's the 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 sand in the desert, right? Like when you're crawling through the desert, you'll drink the sand because you're so thirsty, and and that's where we were. I, I and I truly believe that, and I'm I'm I am nervous, legitimately nervous that we are currently. Being handed a, a cup of sand and told to drink it like water, as we continue to crawl through this desert. Which I, I imagine that Sean Payton's a better football guy than Hackett was, but I still don't want to I drink this. Yeah, I still don't want to drink this cup of sand. At least not yet. So, uh,
1: but then that ties into the position battle that I think is going to be very interesting. And last week we talked about the tight ends. To me, the next best. Or most important is going to be wide receiver, because you have four guys who are going to be locked in. You have Cortland Sutton, you have Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, and Marvin Mims. To me, those are
2: four locks to make the roster. No injuries, notwithstanding, right? I mean, as long as not notwithstanding, yeah. as long as everybody's healthy, and, and you're getting a healthy Tim Patrick back, uh, Cortland Sutton, which is huge. Absolutely. I, I, I've said about
1: this for six months. I think he, when he went down, that was a ginormous blow to Russell Wilson and the offense because he had developed a rapport with Tim Patrick throughout OTAs, through minicamp, and then the early part of training camp before he got hurt. I, I I don't know if the offense is leaps and bounds better with Tim Patrick on the field, but it's better. And Russell Wilson looks better with Tim Patrick on the field. So I think that's him Him being back in the fold is massive for Russell Wilson. It's massive
2: for Sean Payton, for Joe Lombardi, and for this offense. You know who else it's big for? It's big for Cortland Sutton. It's big for Jerry Judy. And, and it's big for those two guys because Sutton's coming back healthy. Hopefully he's going to be able to get over the mental hurdle that comes with recovery, which I think he struggled with uh, under Nathaniel Hackett last year. I, I think that'll be an issue for Tim Patrick as well. Anytime you're coming back from an injury like that, it, it's a struggle to get your your head right, not just your body. But See J- Jamal Murray. See, see Jamal Murray, absolutely. But looking at the impact that he can have on opening the field up for Cortland Sutton, opening the field up for Jerry Judy, who we saw at the end of the season last year flash. We saw the promise that was jerry judy in those last few games when uh when he and russell wilson seemingly found it right whatever it is that they were looking for they seem to find it uh and you're right those those four guys definitely are uh going to have a major impact on russell wilson and how he looks as a quarterback you're right when we come back to What is the most important thing we're looking at on offense? It's clearly the quarterback position, but his wide receivers are a massive part of all of that. So you're looking for those four guys to step up. And then you have to look a little bit further down the list and you wonder where else does Sean Payton go when it comes to wide receiver. And a name that you brought up before we started recording that we've talked about a lot is KJ Hamler. And I think we all as fans probably understand that KJ Hamler is uh, he's on he's on a very thin bubble right the bubble he's on is is one that could could burst at any moment and the, the biggest reason for that is they drafted a guy who can do a lot of the things that he can do and Hamler can't stay healthy Hamler's injury proneness that's probably not a word but I'll take it is is too much for him to overcome it seems. If you can't be on the field, then you can't defend your position. Most important ability is availability, and here we are. So you you kind of feel bad for him. I know that uh, Peyton brought in some Saints guys as well, uh, wide receivers that he's comfortable with being comfortable in his offense. That's going to help as well uh, as far as Russell Wilson's development in the offense, but it also puts another sort of obstacle for K.J. Hamler to stick with the Denver Broncos moving forward.
1: I think aside from his inability to stay on the field, the reason that I think K.J. Hamler isn't going to make the roster is Marvin Mims, the receiver that Sean Payton, George Payton, and the Broncos not only used their first pick in the draft on, they traded up to get with the 63rd pick. And Mims is the type of receiver that everyone thought K.J. Hamler could be coming out of Penn State. Well, Mims is that for Oklahoma. And then you mentioned the receivers that the Broncos picked up in free agency. You got Marcus Calloway, and then you have Lil' Jordan Humphrey. Both of them played for Sean Payton.
2: Lil' Jordan Humphrey might be the best name in football. I mean, if you started to create a list of best names in football, he's on that list. His name is legitimately Lil' Jordan. I love that. Lil' Jordan Humphrey. What a great name. So uh, I almost want him to stick with the Broncos because, I mean, who doesn't want to say, you know, Russell Wilson hits Lil Jordan Humphrey on a 20-yard touchdown pass? Who doesn't want to be able to say that? That sounds like fun. So uh, it it is going to so be think, uphill for K.J. Hamler because of that. Not the name, but just the players.
1: So I think both Callaway and Lil Jordan
2: Humphrey have great shots
1: since they've, they know the offense, they've played with Peyton. So I, I think Callaway – has has more solid footing than Humphrey because, as Scotty points out in his roster review for the receivers, in 2021 during Peyton's final season with the Saints, Callaway had 84 targets and caught 46 balls for 698 yards and and six touchdowns. So he's reliable. He knows the offense. And then that puts the onus on guys who are squarely on the bubble. KJ Hamler is that. I don't think he makes the roster. But then you have Montreal, Washington. You have Kendall Hitton. You have Jalen Virgil, Brandon Johnson, and Taylor Grimes, who was picked up as an undrafted free agent. So he's probably going to be a practice squad guy, so we can take him off the mold. Uh, To me, he has zero shot of making the roster. So then it comes down to Virgil, Johnson, Hinton. I don't Hinton, know. Hinton.
2: That's a fan favorite. But
1: Montreal Washington
2: and Hamler. Yeah.
1: I think well, Kendall Hinton's, Hinton's a fan favorite.
2: He is. That's what I'm saying. Kendall Hinton's a fan favorite, but that doesn't mean anything to Sean Payton. He doesn't. I, I don't imagine he's coming in going, wow, we got to keep Kendall Hinton around because he played that one game where he was the quarterback for the Broncos during the COVID year. And, and the fans really liked he
1: was the, he was the opposing head coach for which he was the
2: opposing head coach for. Absolutely. So we gifted him a win. I guess maybe Hinton could say, well, I gifted you a win. How about you, you know, gift me a spot on the roster, but I don't think that uh, Sean Payton, you know, does business that way. No, it's a, it's a position of need. It is a position that uh, gives Russell Wilson, the ability to be comfortable in this new offense. And, and let's be fair a little bit to Russell Wilson, because I, as you said, he's the biggest issue on offense. This is his, this is a new offense for him after having a new offense last year. So it'll be a a new offense for the second time in two years, three different offenses in three years. And it's a change for him. He's got to show that he can adapt. Great quarterbacks have the ability to adapt to these kinds of things, Good coaches will mold what they do to their their quarterback's abilities, but it is going to be important that during this training camp period Russell Wilson finds a way to become the Russell Wilson of old. Because the clock is ticking on him. I know he's got a big contract. I know he's got, you know, there's there, there's a lot of money tied up with Russell Wilson, but I don't think that Sean Payton cares about that. And if Sean Payton gets done with this season and doesn't think that he can win with Russell Wilson, I imagine you're going to see some pretty big moves and a wholesale shakeup in Denver because of that. And that's not what I want. I think there are people out there that want that, that are tired of Russell Wilson already, that want to see a complete overhaul of the roster, which I understand, but I want successful football. And so I'm rooting for a good training camp for Russell Wilson, some good preseason games, and the ability to start the season off strong and challenge for those playoffs that's that's what i want and he is the biggest part of that couple of things
1: there have been reports that he is a man on a mission and that goes back to his days in wisconsin and then his first couple of years in seattle which led to them winning super bowl 48 we don't have to talk about that we don't need to yeah um so take that for what it's worth but if you also look at his video, he looks fit. Like, he he looked bigger last year. Like, he was bigger in the face. Looks like he was bigger in the torso. Like, yeah, he was thicker. He looks fit. So, I don't know if that will play a factor in all of this. It may. I mean, it's always better to be thinner than chunkier, which he looked kind of... He, he was like uh, th- thick and chunky Campbell's soup last year. But... I think it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like in training camp and what the reports are that we get. Because obviously we're not going to get anything from Sean Payton. We're back in the days of Mike Shanahan saying that you have to play all three phases to win. We didn't play all three phases. We were good in two of them, but not all three. We're back to that. Like Shanahan and Payton come from the same mold. It's going to be interesting to see what we're getting on how he looks his passes his understanding and implementation of the offense what they're doing how he I mean it's it it's going to be very interesting and then I think that first preseason game is going to be I think the first eye test for Russell Wilson
2: now, can I just ask you one question about the uh, thick and chunky? It was. Would you say he was a thick and chunky corn chowder? I'm here all week. No, I. I, I think it was more of the beef stew, like because
1: <laughs> because chowder, it's more. It's not as heavy. I was going more on
2: the corn side. It's very corny. That's a very corny corny. chowder. I I, I see I I see it. it. Yeah, sorry. took me a while to get it. We got there. You know what? Sometimes we got to walk to it. Other times we run. Sometimes you got to be led to the water. I get it. It's all good. That was a horse joke because the Broncos. Oh, my. I got to stop. I got to stop. I got to stop right now. (laughs) We're just full of dad jokes. Ah, well, I am a dad. It happens. And someday it will happen to you. Probably not. Don't do it. Don't do it. Anyway. The other issue you brought up before we started recording, quick segue there, just in case somebody's listening to that. Oops, sorry. Defense. And last week we talked about the secondary being one of the best secondaries in the NFL. It is clearly the strength of the defense. And so if the big issue on offense and the big issue overall is Russell Wilson, the big issue on defense has to be, as you said before we started, the defensive line and how well they can uh, sort of, or, or how quickly they can adjust get into what Vance Joseph wants to do on defense and start to improve. How weird is that to say that Vance Joseph is the defensive coordinator? It sort of like every time I say it, I I wonder if I'm right and I feel like I have to look it up. Am I right about that? Well, at least we know they'll have good days in practice. Yeah, they're going to have good practices. They're going to practice hard and have a good practice. They're going to have a good practice. If they only have good practice on defense, though, that could be a problem. It could be a problem. I think defensive line, I
1: obviously the addition of Zach Allen is huge. He was under Vance Joseph the last couple of years in Arizona, which is where he was. I think he can be a difference maker on the defensive line, which I don't think the Broncos had. I don't want to shortchange Draymond Jones, but eh. He
2: had eh. a good year. anything special. He had a good he year. You know, I had a good year. You can say that. But it w- yeah. but what did it matter? Did they did they go to the playoffs? Did they win a bunch of games? No, they didn't. So the and results Zach Allen was important. Player. And and Zach Allen. And Zach Allen player. is a better player.
1: So we'll see what happens with that. I think depth is the major concern along the defensive line. So we'll see how that plays out. I I think how that unit plays is going to dictate what the rest of the defense is able to do. I think the linebackers are going to be solid. Obviously, the secondary is there. Edge, I think, is part of that because there are still some questions around Randy Gregory. Again, that's an availability, now, right? And, and I, it's 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 going to be interesting. I I mean what I I don't know I, I just I think the defensive line and, and and specifically edge because we also I don't know if we've talked about this bringing in Frank Clark from the Chiefs he's a veteran guy he knows how to do it but I don't think if you look at his over his career his two best years were the two seasons prior to being traded to the chiefs with Seattle. Those were his two best years in the National Football League. I don't know if he's still capable of doing that. If they could get somewhere close to that, that would be huge. But I, I to me, it's defensive line and then after that edge. Those, To me, those are the two biggest issues for this team going into training camp and into the preseason, and you're not going to be able to glean much from it because they're not in pads. They're not going to be doing much on the defensive line edge. You're not going to be able to do much. So we're not going to see much of what this defense is going to look like on the front seven, specifically edge and defensive line until the first f- few preseason games.
2: Yeah. It, it is going to be a mystery for a lot of fans. You know, there's, there's one more player that I want to bring up that we didn't talk about uh, before we started to, to do the show today. And he just popped into my head as we were talking about stuff and you were talking about edge and you were talking about the importance of, of the defense and guys like Randy Gregory and and Frank Clark and and whatnot. And I'm sure we'll get into this particular uh, position uh, a little bit more as, as camp progresses and maybe in one of our next shows. But, but the one guy I wanted to just sort of throw out there and I'm going to switch sides of the football again. It's, it's Garrett Bowles. Uh, He's, he is also coming back from injury and, he had one, what I would call one really good year, and that was it. In his entire career in Denver, he has been uh, someone who struggles with uh, some of the basic, just some of the basic things that a left tackle is supposed to do. Uh, you know, he's he's earned the nickname Garrett Holds from us a lot. We we have a tendency to say that for a reason, and and it's absolutely justified and earned. Now he's coming back from injury. He's going to be in a new offense. I don't know if this particular offense is going to suit him as well, or if he's going to struggle in picking up the new offense. Um, you know, I I root for the guy. I don't I don't uh, you know have any problems with him. But if he can't do it, that is something that will impact. As we talked about the uh, you know the biggest issue being quarterback. Well, having a left tackle that can't block and kills drives with holds and uh, and doesn't protect his quarterback is. That's, that's why Russell Wilson wanted out of Seattle. So it, it, is, it does become a, a big question mark because it impacts what Russell Wilson is able to do as a quarterback.
1: So there's a couple of things with this. I think the biggest, biggest support system that Garrett Bowles has in his time with the Broncos and in the NFL was just signed – when George Payton signed Ben Powers at left guard, he is one of the best guards in football. He's not going to be a a Dalton Reisner who doesn't want to pick up his quarterback. Powers is going to be somebody who is consistent, who is going to be that support system for Garrett Bowles, who is going to be able to be right next to him and help him out. So I think that addition is going to be massive for Garrett Bowles and then offensive line coach Zach Streef, who played for Sean Payton and who was an offensive line coach for Sean Payton the last few years. Payton was in was in New Orleans. Streef knows how to communicate this offense. He's played in it. He knows the issues. So he's going to be that person who Garrett Bowles can lean on and rely on if he doesn't know what to do or if he's not doing something right, Streif is going to be able to point it out. Streif played tackle for Sean Payton. So he's going to be able to help out Garrett Bowles. And then Sean Payton. Sean Payton is not going to go easy on Garrett Bowles. And he shouldn't. He's a professional football player. He If Garrett Bowles was upset with Vic Fangio, he's not going to like Sean Payton because they come from the same old school You better do your effing job, or I'm going to tell you. Well, his his best year was under Vic Fangio. Exactly. So I I think that's going to be, I, I think those three things are going to benefit Garrett Bowles. And I think Russell Wilson's going to be better. I do think he's going to be better, so that's going to help Garrett Bowles. So those four things are going to help Garrett Bowles. If he doesn't have a good year, it's on him. Because they've done everything they can to give him the supporting cast at at left guard, they've given him an offensive line coach, they've given him a head coach, and I think the quarterback is going to play better.
2: The the addition on that should should lead to him having a pretty good season. One more thing on training camp before we uh, do a quick update on a uh, you know sort of a topic we discussed last time, uh, and that's that's the kicking position. Do do the Denver Broncos have a kicker yet? No. And it's still better than Brandon McManus. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Um, we
1: did get a little, uh, in all face. seriousness, go ahead. I will say in all seriousness, I don't think the kicker is on the roster yet. I think they're going to go through training camp. They're going to go through uh preseason, see if a veteran gets released and potentially I think they'll
2: go that route. I, and I think that's what a lot of teams do anyway. It'll just be, I, I will be interested to see who they end up with as their kicker. Um, but I know they will have a kicker eventually. That's something that will definitely happen. Uh, but just switching gears here and kind of um, doing a quick update. We talked on the last show about the Hall of Fame, and we got a chance to rant a little bit about some of the issues that we have with the Hall of Fame. I don't know that we necessarily uh, need to revisit that. I guarantee you listen to this show enough. You'll hear us rant about it a lot. But as we get closer to decisions being made and, uh, some, some feelings about which guys are going to get in, and which guys are not going to get in. There was an article that was written, uh, recently, I guess the article itself was, I'm going to pull up the article cause I want to make sure I look at it correctly here. Uh, it was on talk of fame 2, which is a, uh, a hall of fame website where they, they, it's a, it's about NFL stuff and it's called judge and jury choosing halls 20, 2024 senior 12 semifinalists. And, I'm not going to bore you with the the ins and outs. What I will tell you is that uh, Talk of Fame 2 consults historians and or media members for answers to the questions of the day. It says question du jour on their website, but I don't know how many of our listeners speak French. Uh, after hearing from them, a judge, in this case, Hall I, of I, Fame. <laughs> oh, sorry, I immediately thought of Dumb and Dumber. What is the
1: soup du jour? It's the
2: soup of the day. The soup of the day. Sounds good. I think I'll have I'll that. I love it. Uh, Hall of Fame voter Clark Judge renders a verdict based on their responses. In this case, uh, uh, the judges are people who were voting uh, on the Hall of Fame. And so the jury is Chris Willis uh, of uh, NFL Films, Ken Crippen, who is founder and lead instructor of the Football Learning Academy, John Turney, historian, talk of fame two, and pro football journal, Russell Baxter, historian, pro football guru uh, and. Uh, Upton Bell, former NFL executive and son of former NFL commissioner Burt Bell, uh all on this list and did I miss anybody? I feel like uh Legwall nope. was listed was somewhere, five. but those are the 5 that uh He was tagged in a
1: tweet. Yeah, he was tagged. Because in he's a tweet on the
2: seniors committee. As as you know, hopefully he can push a little bit for uh, our guy. But the name that popped up and the way they did this article was interesting. It was, you know, who are your 12 semifinalists and then who are your top five? And there are 31 semifinalists right now. And of those five uh, of those five jurors, I guess we'll call them because that's what the article calls them. uh, Randy Gratish shows up in, in all five for the top 12 and in four of the uh, five voters, top five, which, and he was the only player. Which, and, and he was the only player that showed up in that many uh, of the jury's top five and, and so on and so forth. right? And they were always listed in random order. So if you go find the article, uh, you can certainly look at it and see what it says and whatnot. But it is interesting to note that Randy Gratishar seems to be gaining momentum, that there's, there is an understanding From some people, and obviously this is a small sample size, so I wouldn't take this uh, to the bank, but there is an understanding from some people that this is a guy who deserves the recognition that he has not received up to this point. It's
1: definitely great to see because there is a story from Chris Thomason from the Denver Gazette a couple of months ago that it was still going to be an uphill battle for Randy Gratishar. So if you take that context with this, the hope is that the, the voters on the seniors committee will follow this lead. Because you have his, I mean, all five of these guys are NFL historians. They know the league. They They know... the the different eras of the national football league. And they know how valuable and, and crucial to the NFL story that Randy Gratish was. So that's the hope. But then you have that story in the Denver Gazette that said it was going to be an uphill battle still. So I I don't want to get my hopes up because there was a couple of years ago when they did the hundredth anniversary seniors committee where they did 10 members and we thought there was a chance Randy Gratishar could be included in that. Wasn't. Another Bears offensive lineman who's terrible and should not even get a ticket to the Hall of Fame, yet somehow has a bust in the Hall of Fame all because he played for the Bears. is crazy. I don't... Uh, anyway, I'm going on a, uh, on a tangent. So, it, it's great to see, but as the old saying goes...